as they've known us. So, um, are you a are you a disciple of uh, of the theory that a coach can lose the room? I hear this all the time, and I'm, um, I just I I have a hard time buying. I mean, it may happen, David, but I uh, my sympathy would be with the coach, not with the players. I. I think it can happen in extreme cases. I'm I'm with you that it's a term that's thrown around loosely when teams struggle. Um, that the players of you know the coaches lost the room and the players are refusing to listen. Um, I don't think it happens nearly as often as it's thrown out there. That's for sure. So talk about let's let's talk about this case, Dave. Not necessarily that, but just the deliberations leading up to the decision to bring Randy back. Uh, how how long has this discussion been going on and um, what, the kind of nature and tone of the decision or of the discussion. Well, the, the the analysis from our standpoint was twofold. One is, do we think he's a capable coach, a coach that can put a team into the playoffs, that can win rounds, possibly even more than that? And the answer is yes. We, he's he's done it with Anaheim. He did it with us two years ago. You know, in terms of of how our team performed. Um, with Randy as a head coach, I think you can we can say that we've had some difficulties over the last year at certain times, but we had some some pretty strong points too, and a lot of that can be pointed to the coaches. Um, so we felt pretty comfortable that this is a guy that can do it. You know, has done it before. Uh, was engaged and wants to continue to to do it. You know, with our group, feels highly motivated to to finish the job and to get the team back to where we need it to be. Um, and again, we're we're comfortable with with the fact that um, you know, he has had positive influences on in a number of our players. So we we did a pretty long analysis of the coaches, Randy directly. We talked to him uh, at length, not just you know today, but obviously over the last ten days, both Brendan and myself. Um, it came out that you know that, that he was the right person to continue leading this group. Um, you did. Um had exit conversations with the players, I assume? Mm-hmm. Um, I've never understood that process, really. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think you gain from that process as a general rule, as a GM? You, you, you gain more two weeks after than you do that day. I've learned more from players just about the season and about their, their own mindset and how what they felt went wrong over the last couple of days than I would have in those meetings. Those meetings are important for, you know, for some information gathering, whether it's, you know, you're talking about even little things about travel or, you know, where do you think we went wrong on the eight-game stretch? Was there something we could have done differently? But there's a lot, you know, the, the, the best time to ask a player um, what he truly feels generally is more than 24 hours after you're eliminated. Unless you're the Stanley Cup winning team, there's a lot of hurt and there's, you know, there's pain and there's disappointment and all those things that factor into it. So the meetings are important. They're not as important as, as you, some people would suggest. What? A, uh, okay, so in the course of these meetings, and I know this is private and we're not going to ask you to divulge anything specifically, but would we be wrong in saying that if these players collectively sent you a message that Randy Carlisle was the wrong coach it probably would have compelled you to act accordingly. Therefore, am I wrong in assuming that at least in general terms they didn't throw their coach under the bus? Um, you're, you're, the way you're heading in this, was there a coup to try to get rid of the coach or a bunch of people saying we love him? Um, well, I'm assuming there wasn't because you rehired him. <laughs> 
well, there's, there, there, there's, you listen to players about certain things. Uh, they, they do have a voice in terms of some things that can help you perform better. Um, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Even, even with coaches that are fired by certain teams, there are players that love that coach. Sure. They love him. He, he plays the guy a lot. He put, gives him power play time. Gotcha. He doesn't deserve it. So that guy's singing his praises, and a player that maybe feels like he's being pushed too hard might have some negative comments. I think you use those for what they're worth, which is very little. Um, you know, the, the, our, our players have not been uh, – last year they were – you know, I think they all felt that – they were pushed, or two years ago, pushed to a, a different level in terms of compete, and a lot of guys didn't necessarily like it, but acknowledged that the coaches did a, a good job of it, you know. And um, we need to get back to that. That was, you know, I think we lost that this year to some extent. Uh, I think there's reasons for it, but we need to get back to the point where players are probably pushing themselves to an area that they're uncomfortable with, and that's what made us successful two years ago. So so in the quest to figure out what happened in the just concluded season, or recently concluded season, especially at the end when the team collapsed, Dave, yeah. um, you know, by rehiring Randy, um, or extending Randy, you're saying, you know, the, the, the conclusion would say, well, that's not, it wasn't him. That, you know, and, and so as you search for answers there, are you getting any closer to what a kind of an organizational uh, opinion as to what exactly happened? Well, I, I think you'd say it wasn't all him. I, I think that the coaches have to share some responsibility. Uh, I know I do. There's moves that I could have made that I didn't, and some maybe that I made that I probably would like to, to alter. Um, and I think the biggest one is, is that our players have to share some responsibility too. You know, the, it's not that they are incapable of doing these things because we've seen them do it before. When you When you have a group... And they haven't done it before. You ask the question, do you think they can do it? And if, they, if we haven't seen it, I have to give you the answer. I don't know. But you ask that, group, that question to me today, I'd say, yes, they can do it because we've seen them do it. And I, I had this, a similar situation in Vancouver where we had a great year. We made the playoffs. We set a record for wins and points. The next year, we at Christmas time, we were, I think, fifth in the league. Uh, we missed the playoffs, and the team couldn't get it back together. It was a young group, and and for whatever reason, I think there's a lot of reasons that happens, but there, we're winning games that we shouldn't, and when you try to crank crank it back up, you just can't do it. The year before, we were a much more committed, dedicated group. You know, Firing Elaine Vigneault was suggested strongly at that point to me. It was a, it would have been a very stupid idea. and I, I would look at this as a similar situation. I think Randy is a good coach, and our players have to... Uh, get back to the commitment level we had two years ago. And as a management group, we have to do some certain things different to support them. Uh, with Dave Nonis. All right. So which begs the question, um, if Randy's, if you have a commitment to Randy, which clearly you do, um, why fire all the assistants? We, we felt that we, we needed to change the mix in that group, um, that we need some fresh ideas. Uh, we need to change maybe some of the relationships with the players by having different assistants. Um, I think that the NHL is probably behind some of the other sports in this regard. I mean, the NFL does it all the time. It's, it's, it's commonplace that you, you, you try to look for some, some different schemes, different ideas, uh, you know, different attitudes by changing some of those personnel. We think that the, the leader of that group uh, is Randy and should remain intact. And it wasn't. It's not a, an indictment of the of the guys we had. We those were our three excellent hockey um, coaches. I've already had teams call me and ask, you know, request the ability to to talk to them. Uh, so it, it wasn't one where we had three guys who were who were incompetent. They were 
excellent hockey people. We felt we needed to make a change there to give us a spark, to change some ideas, to, to lead us in a, a bit of a different direction. So you think theoretically you could bring in, um, as an assistant, somebody who has been a head coach previously, not just like a co-coach scenario, because Randy's clearly the guy, and there's no real um, blueprint for doing that in the NHL, but do you think that's important? More I experience? I think experience, um, at least for one of the assistants, is important. Whether he's had been the head coach um, at the NHL level or not, I don't think that's a necessity. Would it be, you know, probably a, a check mark in that guy's favor? I would think so. Um, you know, I think sometimes having someone who's walked in your shoes is helpful. So I, I think that would may help, you know, Randy in, in some regard. But we want to pick, you know, two of the of the the best assistant coaches that we can. Uh, as a, as a mix, you know, as a, as a group, it has to be a group that functions well together. And so, you know, Randy's going to have some some input and some say, and you know, we'll we'll take that input, and you know, Brendan and I will go over the the candidates ourselves, and and then together as a group, we'll make a decision as to who fits. So, because you had two guys there who were holdovers from you know Ron the Ron Wilson era, right? Um, yes. So, so how does that how does that normally work? Dave, in terms of, you know, if you have, would, would a head coach normally assume assistance from a previous coach? Um, is that a discussion point? Is that an organizational thing where you say, these two guys we want to keep? Um, you know, or is it because Randy came in, you know, in the middle of a season? Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. No, it was, the answer is both. Um, you know, I think the, the first part of the of Randy's tenure, the coaches were, um, were going to remain there regardless because we were, you know, we were down the stretch. Um, but you know, if if they clearly didn't work, then you would, you know, you, you would make changes. Um, you know, and I, and I think that that sometimes it takes a little bit of time, and they have to spend some time together to see if that that is the, the case. But um, you know, Randy felt that those guys fit well with him when he came in, and then they worked hard for him. Um, some would say, um, if you don't fire the coach, then you better make some changes with the players. Do you anticipate making significant change this offseason if you are able to do so? The last part of that question is the important part. You know, I, I don't think we want to jump out and say there's going to be significant changes to this roster if if there aren't any changes that that make us better. And um, I would anticipate that we're going to look at, at a number of areas. Um, first would be bringing some players up from the Marlies that we feel are close if not ready to play right now, I think there's two, two or three there that can can give us um, some games next year on a regular basis. Second would be free agency. I, you know, I, I think that there are some short-term free agents that might be available. When I when I say that, probably older players that aren't going to be um, aren't going to be uh, uh, long-term commitments that may be options for us. But the biggest one is going to be uh, the trade route. And you know, I think between now and the end of June. There's going to be a lot of players available. Whether or not they're fits for us remains to be seen. But you know, just the general feeling that there's enough teams that that have either cap um, issues they want to deal with, or have had some disappointment like we have that want to make changes to their roster. That there's going to be options for us to look at there. And then if they're, you know, if those if those uh, three scenarios provide you know viable options, you go ahead. And if not, then you make the players that you have better. Um. 
I recall a conversation with uh, your friend, Mr. Burke, and um, shortly after um, you guys arrived in Toronto, and he put together a blue line that he thought was good enough to make the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, there are still pieces of that blue line around, and you have a number of those guys um, who don't have contracts for next year. Uh, in a roundabout way, um, are, are these guys in jeopardy now based upon their performance over the last couple of years? Our back end? Your back end. I, I think that we have a, a lot of good pieces in the back end, particularly the young players that we have. Um, is it the right mix completely? Uh, I think that that's something that we have to, to, to look at. And there may be opportunities for us to change some of the pieces there, but I don't think you want to look at, at uh, throwing out some of, the, of the, the younger players that could be here for a long time and that although they're making some mistakes, um, uh, will be a real big part of this, you know, this team going forward. So would we look to make some changes in the back end? I guess the short answer is yes. Um, same thing I said before. Easier said than done. Centermen and defensemen are pretty tough to come by. Well, I get that, yeah. But they're, they, they, we have to look at that option for sure. No question. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you do not want to repeat. And, and this is a question. You obviously do not want to repeat the, the shots on goal statistics or records that were established by this team this past year. Um, to that end, how much of that responsibility is, A, the coach in his system, B, the defense who most people would attribute a res- that responsibility to, or see uh, the forwards not making um, a, a contribution in the defensive end. And I know it's not 100% anything, David. It's some right. percentage of everything. But where does the, the principal onus, in your mind, fall on the absurd number of shots that this team gave up this year? I think there there's, there's two areas. One is uh, we have to come up with a uh, a tighter defensive scheme than we had last year um we played a, a different system for most of the year uh, the year before i think we have to get back to that and then it's the players and it's not defensemen or or center it's the group they have to be committed to playing that system um and and, and playing it hard it's really it's it's about execution and willingness to do some things you just don't want to do and again the year before we were we were doing that. We were players that maybe offensive players were blocking shots. They were making sure the puck got out. Uh, we were harder to play against than in front of our own net. We were doing those things that maybe guys weren't necessarily built for, but they understood that if we were going to have success, so we had to do it. And so player commitment is a, is a, a big factor in, in us playing better team defense. I'm, not my, I, I'm, I'm about as anti-goon as, as you can get, but there, there's no question that, as you alluded to, this team was much easier to play against this year than they were two years ago. Are you specifically going to look for a more physical presence from your hockey club next year? I, I, I believe, and I, you know, I'm, after spending some time with Brennan, and I know that he feels the same way, that, that team toughness in this league is what wins. And more physical presence, yes. Would we like to be a little harder to play against, a little bit... You know, tougher on our own end. And probably have our our in a number of checks we're finishing rise by twenty percent. All those things. The answer is yes, but it has to be as a team concept. You know, there's some there's some teams in our league that you'd look at and say they don't have really any toughness, but they play together as a group. 
it's the team toughness that gets them through, and we have to go towards that direction. Yeah, some people have talked about the Montreal Canadiens right now and yep. that, that have, no have developed that exact same philosophy. You look at them, and they're not a team of big guys, and they're not a team of, of notoriously tough guys, but they're tough to play against. And if there's a scrum, it's not one person in there, it's five. That's, yeah, that's right. how they're getting through it. That's how that Detroit is. gets through it. And then, you know, I'm not saying that there's not a role for players that play the, the physical brand. There is. And, and you know, we're going to have that as part of our group. But it, 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 you can't rely on toughness on one or two players. The, the group has to be committed to it. Uh, David, always good of you to take time for us. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll uh, undoubtedly talk soon. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for having me.